the Solanacia studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA, it is time for another mysterious episode of chemical-free horticultural hijinks, You Bet Your Garden. I'm your host, Mike McGrath. What does it mean when your potato plants sprout little green balls on top? On today's show, we'll explain what those freaky deaky things are and what you can and cannot do with them. Otherwise, it's a phone call show, cats and kittens. That's right, we're going to take that heap and helping. Of your telecommunicated questions, comments, tips, tricks, suggestions, and lamentably lethargic lamorifications. So keep your eyes and or ears right here, true believers, because it's all coming up faster than you trying to sprout potato seed at Christmas time. Right after this. Support comes from Hot Bin Composters, designed to reduce waste and create compost within 30 to 90 days. More information at hotbincomposting-us.com. Wow, welcome to another thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. I am your host, Mike McGrath, and today... We're going to tell you about weird things that may appear when you grow potatoes. But mostly, it's a fabulous phone call show, Cats and Kittens. And that means we're taking that heap and helping at 888-492-9444. Wally, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Thank you. Pleasure to call in. It's a pleasure to have you call, Wally. Uh, where are you, man? I am in Oklahoma City, and uh, currently at the Oklahoma City Zoo. Oh, uh, uh, mean currently working or wandering around uh, trying to uh, make the monkeys laugh? A uh, little bit of both. Um, I currently am working at the zoo um, in the education department, uh, but I try to get out at least once a day if I can, just to stretch my legs and see what's happening around the zoo. So. You know, I never thought about that, but that must be among the cruelest jobs in the world to have this really neat area outside and you're there uh you know staring at your computer instead of the primates exactly but you know, someone has to do it so. so what's your favorite animal to go look at at the zoo wally get asked this question all the time i would have to go with um the orangutans they are they're pretty fun to watch um they interact with the guests and like to they have huge climbing structures and you could just see them having fun that's an excellent choice, the old man of the forest. I, however, having grown up at the Philadelphia Zoo, will always love the otters that had this, I guess mm. their, their play area was built by somebody who generally makes swimming pools. <laughs> it's back in the 50s. And they, they were just total water clowns. They just loved people coming by, and they would go down their slide over and over again. Great stuff. All right, so uh, what can we do you for today? So my main function here at the zoo is I work with school groups that come for field trips or take our lessons and some of our animals into schools, and I am reevaluating some of our programs for this upcoming year. Oh. And one of the lessons I want to teach is about weird nature, so weird plants, animals, um, so I was just calling to see kind of what recommendations you have for plants that would be not normal. 
<laughs> is, there, is there a personal aspect to asking me this question, Wally? <laughs> the boys. I'm, you know, I'm a longtime listener, and I was listening to this a couple of weeks ago. I was like, oh, you know what? I bet Mike knows more information about these plants than I do. So, <laughs> Boy's not right, Martha. Boy's just not right. So, oh, weird plants. I'm trying to think of, well, you know what kids absolutely love are the carnivorous plants, uh, the pitcher plants mm -hmm. and the um, Venus flytraps. <clears throat> and uh, Venus flytraps especially are native to only a very small area in the Carolinas. Now, obviously, that's not Oklahoma. But that is a true native plant that it's like South Philly. Nobody ever moves out. They just move next door or something like that. And <laughs> the pitcher plants, however, I think travel better. And, you know, you can, you can drug a housefly and um, pretend it uh, jumped in on its, own, uh, on its own merits and got dissolved down in the bottom. So <laughs> what do you got in mind? Uh, yeah, I definitely had you know, the Venus flytrap, the uh, pitcher plant, and uh, doing some research there. The I was thinking about the devil's finger stinkhorn fungus. That one looks really funny. Right. Um, and then maybe even uh, the monkey no climb tree. Um, read about that one. I haven't done a lot of research into that one, but it has like spikes on the trunk. Oh, and okay. Possibly even going with some of the the native prairie grass is just like that, the 14-foot the root system, the really, where most of the plant is underground. That's right. kind of and they are my native. thought process right now. They are native to your area. And those uh, exactly. root systems are there to withstand epic, uh, withstand? Is that a new word? I like that. Put a copyright on that. <laughs> they, uh, their roots are there to withstand the intense dry times and the raging flood times. Um, I agree with you about stinkhorn fungus, the X-rated mushrooms that people are treated to when they use crappy wood mulch in their landscaping, but that's not a plant. I mean, are you going to uh, verge out of the green and into the gray? I, I might. Right now, everything's very... It's, everything's kind of penciled in, so there's no, I don't have a direct route yet, so. I will tell you that when I was in Cuba uh, leading a, a cultural exchange person-to-person -person program, we saw the most amazing trees. Um, they have a lot of arboretums and kind of outdoor museums. Uh, we actually got to go up into the mountains where uh, Che Guevara and Fidel Castro hid out while they took over the country. That's now a medicinal plant refuge. But the trees were amazing. I wish I could remember the name of the tree, but it had these giant salamis hanging down. I mean, these things look like a 1950s delicatessen. That should be up front. They were, I don't know, three feet long and the tree is covered in them. And that was one of the most amazing okay. things I'd seen. And uh, they have types of clumping bamboo, not the running bamboo that Americans get in trouble with, but they had these clumping mm -hmm. bamboos. And one of them, uh, my son was with me on the trip, and he calls me over and says, Dad, you gotta hear this. 
and he raps on the side of the bamboo, and it's like uh, rapping on a piece of aluminum or sheet metal. It's um, just amazing. Oh, wow. And fig trees. Um, I don't know how long you've been listening or if you've heard uh, the show where I interviewed the guy who wrote uh, God's Wasps and Stranglers, The History of the Fig. But fig trees are amazing um, in what they can do. They uh, form entire clumps that are one tree by producing um, branches that then go down and root in the ground. And it's just one organism. Uh, but back in the old days, uh, you could rest 10,000 soldiers in the shade of one wow. of these magnificent fig trees, not, not to not mention, um, not to not mention, what the heck does that mean? Help me out while we're here. Yeah, you know, you know. Um, another a wonderful thing about the fig, it is uh, the tree under which the Buddha experienced enlightenment. So that original, oh, okay. original one, I believe, is called the Bodhi tree. And it has been propagated, uh, you know, for millennia, however old the first Buddha was around. So they're really cool. But, okay. you know, for kids, um, anything you can get them to grow and have success with that's really cool, that's where you're going to lure them into this game. And I don't think there's anything better out there than ornamental sunflowers. Not the big oil-producing okay. sunflowers, uh, but there are sunflowers that are as small as six inches tall, um, and then all the way up two feet, three feet, whatever you want, with the most amazing reds and yellows. And then at the end of the season, the ornamental ones um, are visited by goldfinches that hang upside down okay. and eat the tiny little seeds inside. So that's something where you can, you know, buy a couple of packets of seed, a couple little jiffy pots and some seed starting soil, and they can go home. And if you give mm -hmm. them half decent instructions, they can grow it themselves. Okay. I like that idea a lot, kind of continuing the learning in you their own backyard. To. You got to give the kids something to take home. It's got to be as close to bulletproof as possible. And um, I, I don't think there's anything easier to grow than these ornamental sunflowers. And they're drop dead gorgeous. And there must be four or 500 mm -hmm. different varieties and colors out there. And that list is endless. Oh, boy. Um, so that, that's, my, uh, that's my best guess. All right, man? <laughs> all right. Thank you so much. Thank you, Wally. You take care and say hi to all my friends in OKC. It is a great, great town. Right, will do. And enjoy uh, Pennsylvania. Yep. All right. I will until it starts snowing again. <laughs> take care, man. <laughs> all right. Same to you. All right, bye. Hey, is your garden producing more than you know what to do with? Or are bugs and herbivores and disease getting it all before you can? 
You Bet Your Garden is your clearinghouse for organic information. Number to call, scratch it in sidewalk chalk on your most expensive wallpaper. 888-492-9444, and I'll tell you what to do. Charles, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Thank you so much for taking my call. Where is Charlie? I am in Nashville, Tennessee. Excellent, excellent. What can we do you for? I am hoping you might be able to help me with some uh, damage control with my wife. About a month ago, I was working in the garden and I was weeding one of my large planters that has one of my tomato plants. And I pulled up a large, like strange looking leaf Mm -hmm. and it happened to be attached to uh, a large root that um, long and short of it, it turns out my wife had saved this, this, this peony plant from um, a construction site that had mowed down all the other peony plants. Um, and so I pulled up this root mm-hmm. in, in, in panic. And um, the moment I mo- realized what I did, and then I put it in its own plant, our own pot with uh, its own soil, but it's, it's um, and added about an inch or so of compost directly from our compost pile uh, from the very bottom. And I am hoping to do what I can to nurse this peony root to uh to health and undo my damage she neglected to tell you that she had um smuggled this pirate's chest into your tomato plant (laughs) yes i predict nothing but good things um but not immediate good thing um i don't want you to try to force it or do anything like that um as you're well aware peonies are herbaceous perennials, all the above ground growth dies, and then it comes out um, from the ground when it's ready to get ready to bloom. So the most important thing, I'm glad you put it in a dedicated pot, label the pot. Leave the pot outside, and then when we get into the fall, I think the smartest thing would be to simply bury the pot up to around the rim. That'll give it some insulation down below. And with any luck, well, no, with no luck whatsoever, you'll get leaves in the spring. If you have a lot of luck, you may get a flower or two. And leave those flowers alone, make sure they get fed and watered. And uh, by the year after that, you'll get your real peony plant back again. Okay. Okay. Love it. All right. We got to go. Thank you so much. Great talking to you, man. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, they saw it first in Southeast PA, and it's spreading further every day. It's doing our crops and trees a lot of harm. It's an insect species that's not native, reproducing at a very high rate of speed. And folks, that's cause for some alarm. Once you dig what I have dug, you'll be hip to this invasive bug, and friend, you'll want to help to stop it spread. And when you see that little critter gonna take a swing like a home run hitter and smash that spotted lantern fly dead. Die, 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 spotted lantern fly. When you see me coming, you'll know your end is nigh. I got a fly swatter, I'm gonna chase you all the way back to Asia. Die, 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 spotted lantern fly. 
Then fall from the eggs on a Wall Street trunk and scrape them off into an alcohol dunk and surely that will cause them to expire. When the nymphs hatch from the eggs in spring, wrap your trees with a sticky tape ring, but save the birds by covering it with chicken wire. Now the tree of heaven is their preferred host, yeah, that's the tree it likes the most. So if you got one in your yard, chop it down. Don't transport firewood, brush, or debris, cause they'll hide in there and you'll never see them. Hit to ride with you to the very next town. Die, 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 spotted lantern fly. When you see me coming, you'll know your end is nigh. I got a flash water, I'm gonna chase you all the way back to Asia. Die, 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 spotted lantern fly. Well, it's time for me to take a little break and announce that I will make my first post-COVID appearance live and in person at the Bayshore Center in Port Norris, New Jersey. It's a really cool facility about an hour and a half south of Philly. I'll be there on Saturday, August 28th at 3.30. But don't go looking for all the details at the events section of our website just yet because we'll be right back with a hard look at some little green balls and more of your fabulous phone calls. I'm Mike McGrath, and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden from Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. Support comes from Hot Bin Composters, designed to be compact, odor-free, and easy to use. They can help anybody get started composting. More information at hotbincomposting-us.com. Welcome back to another thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. I am your host, Mike McGrath. And we are going to talk about a really unusual feature that sometimes occurs on potato plants. There's also an important warning involved, so you better stay tuned so you can stay safe and keep listening or watching or however you get this. Anyway, back to your fabulous phone calls at 888-492-9444. Bill. Welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Hi, Mike. How you doing? I am just ducky today, Bill. How are you, sir? I'd say peachy today. You're peachy? <laughs> I was told that you were peachy in good weather and ducky in wet weather. But um, you, peachy and ducky would make a great team. Uh, uh, where are you, Bill? I'm in Elizabethtown, Pennsylvania. Okay. Elizabethtown, did you say? 
Yes, I did. Okay, I thought that was in New Jersey. <laughs> Maybe there's an Elizabeth. Uh, it's the it's the western. Yeah, it's the uh, the western edge of Lancaster County. Oh, okay, very good. Uh, what can we do for Bill? So I'm calling with a uh, with a bit of a tip in our war against the spotted lanternfly. Oh, a dread, dread invasive insect. So I've had um, my my cucumbers. I've had spotted lanternflies all over the stems. Mm-hmm. All kinds of flowers and no and like one cucumber all summer is huh. uh, is all I've gotten so far. Um, so I was looking at them and thinking, you know, they're they're sitting there. They're not on anything else in the garden. How can I get them off? Knowing that if I try to knock them off in the soapy water, like I do with Japanese beetles or something, mm-hmm. they're just going to jump away. They're not going to land in the in the bowl. So I took my shot back, took the filter out, mm-hmm. put about an inch of water in the uh, in the bottom, couple drops of soap in there, and started vacuuming the spotted lantern flies off of the uh, off of the cucumber, and. Yeah. Now, were these? It seems to work pretty well. Are these adults, or are they the creepy little uh, cartoon legs with dice? Uh, so they are—they're uh, the nymphs that are starting to turn red. So the little ones that are black with the white dots, and then there's some—some of the bigger ones are starting to turn red. So they're not the adults yet, but it is the—it uh, is the nymphs. Yeah, but they probably feed more in the nymphal stage than they do even in the adult stage. But there's no reason to believe that this wouldn't work um, with the adults as well. Um, I know people who've used it uh, against massive invasions of Japanese beetles, too, on their roses. You know, just go out there and suck the suckers up. And you remind me that in the earliest days of organic gardening, really before there was chemical gardening, one of the first machines that was invented for crop protection was a giant vacuum machine. If you can imagine like a tractor with downward pointing, pointing nozzles, uh, but instead of chemicals coming out the nozzles, it was sucking insects up into, um, into the machine. And my understanding is these machines were responsible for controlling a terrible outbreak of some kind of insect or another on lettuce crops in Texas. And they were very efficacious, they worked great. Uh, But you know what happened, you know, chemicals began to be discovered, they began to be promoted, Uh, extension agents of the day were telling farmers they were living in the past, they had to garden in the future. So these machines fell by the wayside. And I've kind of been waiting for them to come back Um, because especially with low to the ground crops, um, these giant machines were great. And your idea is great too, doing it on a smaller scale. As long as you can run an extension cord out to your garden, right? Yeah, I mean, just ran an extension cord out the window, worked pretty well. what I what I discovered the the leaves are very susceptible to getting sucked in. Yeah. So I take the uh, I take the nozzle, I get it in past the leaves by the stem, and then I turn the shop back on. And oh, then okay. They, you know, it sucks up those nymphs. Those are they're tricky little buggers. If I'm on the north side of the stem, they'll run around to the south side and hang on and try and not 
try not to get sucked into the uh, into the vacuum. But they, it's just moving around a little bit, and eventually, when they try and jump off, they get they get sucked right in. They seem to have some Darwinian advantages. They have been incredibly successful, so to speak, as a species, and they're spreading like mad. Uh, but obviously, a vacuum vacuuming them off is a perfect solution. And, um, you know, there are different kind of funnel traps you can make uh, that are illustrated online. If you go to Penn State's extension uh, service bulletins, they show you a, uh, a trap that funnels them in and traps them before they can get to the canopy of a tree or something. You know, generally they're they're after trees, but um, you're not the first person to tell me they like cucumbers. Yeah, uh, we've got the funnel traps on our maple trees and on our apple trees, and those are working great. They're just that's just too big to try and wrap around a uh, wrap around a cucumber stem. Yeah, uh, I so would think so. We're, yeah. <laughs> we're getting plenty of them, and the, the vacuum's working on the um, on the cucumber. Well, that's excellent. I'm glad you're keeping them under control because not just are you saving your own crops, but you're limiting their numbers to go out and pester others. You're in a huge agricultural area out there on the western side of Lancaster County. Yeah, we're trying to do our part and trying to protect our trees, too. I mean, it's not all altruistic. We're, uh, we have some skin in the game as well. I hear you. All right. Well, you keep up the good work, and next time you come up with an invention that's already 120 years old, you call us right back and remind us of it. Will do. Thanks a lot, Mike. Take care. My pleasure. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. Two little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs. Two little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs. Two little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs. Suzanne, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Oh, thank you. Hi, Mike. How are you? I am just ducky. Thanks for asking. How is Suzanne doing? I'm standing in my swimming pool up to my waist right now and um, enjoying the sunshine and the shade at the same time. And now you expect me to be nice to you. I'm in a dark <laughs> studio. I'm going to leave here. It's going to be 94 degrees. By the time my car cools down, I'll be home. And you're, do you have an mm -hmm. adult beverage in your hand as well? Um, you want to just rub it um, in? No, not yet. I wanted to wait until after we spoke. <laughs> okay. I, I, you know, might have preferred if you'd started early. But, you know, we'll still <laughs> expect you to be funny. What can we do for Suzanne? Well, um, I had written a letter and got a response this morning, which was great, from Tavia. And my concern is that, oh, maybe eight years ago, I purchased a type of evergreen tree, and I knew the name of it at the time. I usually saved the tags, but I don't have this one. It was maybe three feet tall. Mm -hmm. and it looks like it's some kind of cypress, definitely not a Leland cypress, not a garden variety, arborvitae. It's, it's glossy, and um, it, I 
bought it to par- to put next to my front door in a garden about 10 feet away because there's a plug there and I've been decorating it for Christmas. Sure. And it's just re- really gotten big. I was told it's a miniature, um, but it's too big. It's 10 feet tall, about mm-hmm. six feet wide. It's really full. And I would like to move it somewhere else in my yard if, if that Oof. seems like a, a feasible Oof. idea. Woo. Do you, do you know how much that mm. root ball is going to weigh? When we well, used... I was going to... Uh, Go ahead. Uh, hire someone, you know, to pull it out and, and transplant it. I can only imagine it would be much more than I could handle. Oh, yes, yeah. When we used to move uh, big trees like this in and out of the convention center for the Philadelphia Flower Show... And you saw mm-hmm. the massive size of the root balls, even on middle-sized trees. Oh, yeah. you gained a lot of respect. Yeah. Now, um, mm-hmm. uh, yes, I mean it can be moved by a professional, but it's mm-hmm. going to cost a ton of money. Are you cool yeah. with that? Yeah, yeah. Mm, I'm not sure. My husband had this idea that since we're learning that Christmas trees are going to be at a premium this year, we could. We could sell it to the highest bidder. <laughs> now, why? So, why is that? About, is, is this the lack of help that uh, people can get these days? What? Why is there going to um, be a Christmas tree shortage? But remember, kids, you oh, heard I, it here I first on New Betcher Garden. Invest <laughs> in Christmas trees. Okay. Uh, mm. Do you know why? Um, I saw in the drought it has caused stunted growth out west. Um, oh, okay. Well, I'm pretty out sure it was a CBS show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even yeah. if it still exists. Oh, yeah, it's terrible uh-huh. what's happening out there. I'm sorry, guys. I mean, we're eating mm-hmm. your smoke. If that's any, uh, if that's any uh, yeah. condolences. Okay, so um, where did you say you were again? Did I ask you? Uh, no, um, I live in Hocassin, Delaware, which is right next to Kenneth Square, PA. Right, I know where it is. And um, yeah. and the tree is planted right next to the house? Well, about 10 feet away and then next to a walkway that goes out to a circular driveway. And it has blocked the view from my front porch. Mm. I've naturalized my front yard. It's about an acre into a meadow. And... There's all kinds of things growing out there. We've really gotten a good um, a good meadow, but we can't see it now because of the trees in, in the way. We could move our chairs, but I don't know. The older we get, the harder it is to to move our chairs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, um, if you think chairs are hard <laughs> to move, ah, uh, boy. Um, so in our ways. is this uh, is this a column form of a cypress? Is it is it in the general shape of an arborvitae or a Leyland, or is it more of a it, regular tree it shape? It is somewhat. No, no, it's in the shape of a of a Leyland cypress, mm-hmm. but it's much denser. Right. And the deer have rotted up most of my Leyland cypresses, and I protected the green giant arborvitaes. I replaced them with, but they have never touched this tree. Hmm. Um, it's really dense and it's just so green. It's really pretty if it was out by itself. I just don't know. I thought maybe it was a hemlock, but it's got no white stripe underneath the needles. Um, so I'm figuring it's some kind of cypress. Yeah. That's and my, my guess. Hemlocks are under attack anyway. So, um, mm-hmm. if it's as yeah. nice as you say, well, here's the deal. You would call, um, hopefully three 
certified arborists um, who have mm -hmm. experience with this kind of um, moving, maybe get some recommendations yeah. from your local independent garden center um, for people who have the right equipment okay. and the right knowledge. Mm -hmm. And yeah. you would uh, get estimates from each of them. And if you decide that you, okay. you, can, um, you can afford it, they'll come out with a giant, I guess they're called bucket trucks because they, they scoop mm -hmm. uh, the tree out of the ground roots and all. And you would either, mm -hmm. you would do this at the very end of fall, maybe midwinter would be ideal um, mm -hmm. and spring would be yeah. fine too. You don't want to move it during hot weather. And no, then, no, I know that. And, and then after it gets to its new resting place, so to speak, um, you want to make sure it's mm -hmm. watered as if it were a new tree. Um, water it really yeah. well the first couple of years. Don't let it dry out. Mm -hmm. And uh, don't yeah. improve the soil in the planting hole. When they, uh, when they take okay. out the tree, they're going to take out a lot of soil. You know, you want the biggest root ball you okay. can. And obviously, they're going to have mm -hmm. to dig the new hole on top of that. Um, but you want to try to move this like um, when my children were small. I had developed a talent for mm -hmm. bringing them indoors, back inside the house on like Thanksgiving or Christmas when we had been at the grandparents and they mm -hmm. were sound asleep. Yeah. What, I, what I learned is if your timing is right, you can bang their heads against a doorway or something. They're not going to wake up. And uh, so mm -hmm. the more dormant the tree is, the easier this is going to be. Ideally, it'll be the tree won't know it was moved. It'll have a different, okay. uh, different view of the landscape. But uh, if it's done correctly, the tree should suffer no ill effects at all. But that's really, I think that's, okay. that's your option because you don't want to cut down this beautiful tree. All right. Right. No, but if it's too much money, I will, and, and I'll try to get an ID and maybe get another one. But And I can have one more year of decorating it. I can still reach the top with a one of those hand pinchers, and uh, we'll, we'll decorate it to the so that they can see it from the space shuttle. <laughs> and um, then, we'll, then we'll see if we can move it. <laughs> All right. I'll tell you yeah. what. If you, okay. do, if you do get estimates that are too much for your budget, take pictures of the tree. Uh, including pictures of the very top, and call us back. Okay. All right? All right. Well, it's time for me to take a little break and remind everybody out there that summer may be winding down, but the growing season is heating up for a long and tasty second run. It's time to plant fresh seeds of cool season crops like lettuce, spinach, kale, and beets. They'll get a great start in the still warm soil of August and grow tall, sweet, and tasty in the cooler days and nights of fall. But don't go selecting those seeds just yet because we'll be right back with the answer to the great potato plant dingle ball mystery and more of your fabulous phone calls. I'm Mike McGrath, and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden from Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania.
support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. Welcome back to another thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media in the shadow of the old Bethlehem Steel in Bethlehem, PA. Where else would it be? I am your host, Mike McGrath, and we are in the stretch now, cats and kittens. In just a little bit, we'll get to a weird aspect of potatoes that maybe you've never seen, especially if you grow in a warm climate. But potatoes can flower, and then potatoes can grow their own seeds, and you need to know a couple of things about this, both to admire the flowers and not eat the seeds, and we'll tell you all about it after a couple more of your fascinating phone calls at 888-492-9444. Steve, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Hi, Mike. I am in uh, Wilmington, Delaware. And what can we do for Steve in Wilmington? Okay, um... Every year I get weeds uh, growing uh, between the cracks in my uh, walkway and my driveway. Mm -hmm. uh, I get down on my knees and uh, I cut them out with a uh, like a little pen knife <laughs> uh, only to see the <laughs> – well, I, I want to try to get them all as possible and uh, only to see them return uh, weeks later. And it's, uh, you know, I'm 75 years old, and it's uh, it's getting kind of hard to get down on my knees. Yeah, I so, stopped. Uh, I, I want to I I know if there's uh, some way to rid them once and for all. Well, one of the things that I like to suggest, rather than getting rid of them, you know, nature abhors a vacuum. So even if you clean those things out meticulously, a dirt blows in, new seeds blow in, and, you know, it's an endless process. And I hear what you're saying about getting down on your knees. I stopped doing James Brown imitations a long time ago. <laughs> so they have uh, these lines of plants that are actually meant to plant in these cracks so that it'll be uniform, it'll be decorative, and it could even be fragrant. Now, the line I'm most familiar with is called steppables because, again, these are designed to grow in the cracks and pavers and things like that. So would you be happy mm -hmm. if you had a nice, low-growing, kind of consistent ground cover that behaved itself um, and, and get back 10 years of your life? Uh I basically would prefer not to have anything in the cracks if possible. I can at least get you off your knees. <laughs> Flame weeder. Um, it's uh, like a shepherd's hook um, with a business end where a flame comes out. And then on the other end, you screw in a camp stove size bottle of propane um, my uh, son, uh, I've been using flame weeders for ages. And when my son was eight years old, I couldn't find it in the spring. So we went to the tractor supply store and I got it. I got a replacement. 
And as we're checking mm-hmm. out, I thought this is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Uh, the aisles are filled with candy, of course, to catch you on the way out. And he's not even looking at him. <laughs> and we get outside and he's just like got this awestruck look. And I go, Max, are you okay? He goes, Dad, you just bought a flamethrower. That is so cool. So again, you're, um, you're standing up, which to me is the most important thing here. There's also a tool right. um, called the water-powered weeder. Um, I believe it's only available from uh, a place called Lee Valley Tools, and they have very high-quality materials. And this is like a trigger with a very sharp nozzle um, that you put on the end of your garden hose, and it has a long extension. So you get yourself right on top of the crack you're doing and press the, uh, press the lever, and your, your hose pressure is concentrated like times 10, and it just flushes everything out. But un- oh, I see. But yeah, because I, I, I imagine the the dirt is what I guess attracts the uh, the weeds. Oh yeah, well nature the in the cracks. Nature is relentless. I mean, uh, nature abhors a vacuum. You know, you're going to get dirt blowing in there over time. You're going to get weed seeds blowing in there over time. Although I will tell you, one time I had a whole huge display of pansies on my uh, on my patio, which is uh, poured concrete. You know, you still have to have those uh, spacers in there. And it, they must sure. have self-sown like mad um, and survived the winter because the next spring, every crack was had a pansy in it. It was amazing. So your, your three big choices are fire, water, or plant something deliberate, and then you won't have to do the fire and water anymore. I'll tell you what, at least go online and look up Steppables. Uh, there, there, I'm sure there are many other branded uh, varieties out there. But take a look at the images and see, um, you know, you can, you can get fragrant, low-growing herbs, uh, really nice-looking things, and it, it will look deliberate. It will look like you have um, used every inch of your gardening space. Thanks for your advice. I appreciate it. Well, that's it. It is time for the question of the week, which we are calling for the benefit of any other old-time radio fans out in the audience. The seed of the potato bears bitter fruit. Alex and Lois in East Greenville, PA, right? We are longtime listeners and watchers. Okay, I know that's only the first sentence, but I have to digress here to mention to our podcast and radio families that there is a half-hour television version of this show that appears on PBS Channel 39 or its cableistic equivalent in your area. We're on in Pennsylvania, southern New Jersey, and Delaware, and, of course, you can watch online. Conversely... We reinform our TV audience that an hour-long audio version of each week's show is available on selected NPR stations across the nation, the U.S. Virgin Islands, and as a popular podcast. Alex and Lois, remember them? 
continue. We love your show and your unparalleled knowledge of everything that grows in the dirt. Actually, my knowledge of such things is extremely paralleled, but who am I to contradict such an obviously nice couple? Alex and Lois tried to continue once again with we've had vegetable gardens on and off for 40 plus years without much success. This year, we decided to take your advice and try raised beds filled with composted soil and perlite. Between that and the excellent growing weather, we have a bumper crop of everything we planted. Our potato plants even look good. We've never been able to grow potatoes before, and we are very anxious to open the underground treasure chest and gather up our harvest of Yukon Golds. One odd thing, however, little buds have appeared on the plants above ground. They look like little tomatoes. We've never seen them before, but we're sure you can explain them. What are they? Are they of any use? Well, despite your naive certainty, I actually did know what they are or were. I don't always pick these questions at random, you know, although some days I wish I would randomize more and research less. But before we reveal the anxiously awaited answer, I must make one last digression. Okay, it might be the last one. I still got 500 words to go here. And comment on the success you have had with raised beds, because you are far from alone. I receive tons of emails every fall from people who have struggled for decades trying to grow in flat earth, finally move up to raised beds, and suddenly find success. Don't wait decades. It's like you trying to build a house before you pour the foundation. Start small, build a few raised beds a season, fill them correctly, and your harvests will greatly improve. That leads us to one last digression again. I have no idea whether, quote, composted soil means topsoil or compost, but it is important to fill those beds with the right stuff from day one. And there is no such thing as composted soil. If there was, how could you tell when it was done? It was soil to start with, and now it's composted soil. What happened? All right. Raised beds should be filled with approximately half yard waste compost, half high-quality screen topsoil, and a lot of perlite for superior drainage and water retention. Perlite is a natural mined volcanic glass that is popped into little white balls in giant ovens. So no, that white stuff in your potting soil is not styrofoam. And this little detour does not count as a digression, mostly because I'm the only one doing the counting. Now, back to Alex and Lois. Remember Alex and Lois, that nice couple we abandoned at a non-working bus stop a while back? Well, those little green balls that appeared at the tops of your potato plants are filled with potato seeds, a topic that is devilishly hard to research because the disease-free whole potatoes you buy for planting are called seed potatoes. So you got your potato seeds and you got your seed potatoes. 
Good luck to you. Anyway, you plant healthy sprouted potatoes as soon as the soil can be worked in the spring. Potatoes love to grow in cool weather. I personally plant whole potatoes. Large scale growers and or people who simply think it must be done coin their potatoes into chunks with at least one or two good eyes apiece to save money. If you're a potato newbie, always start with whole potatoes. Then you can allow your false bravado to enter the game. Then you can go back to whole potatoes. The above ground growth will be green and lush. And at one point, a single stem will often appear atop each plant adorned with beautiful flowers that reflect the color of the spuds growing underground. It's really cool. Now this doesn't always happen, but when it does, you should examine those flowers carefully as they are gorgeous. You should also note the date those flowers appear as fingerlings, small spuds with intense flavor and nutrition, can be harvested three to four weeks after that. Or you can allow the potatoes to mature to a much larger size at the end of the season. Either way, pull those potatoes off after they begin to fade. Otherwise, they will progress into those weird round green things that really do contain growable potato seeds. If you wish, you can try and use these seeds to grow whole potatoes. It'll take a full season in a coolish climb to get them to a decent size, but it can be done. Warning, warning, warning. Do not attempt to eat the actual seeds and or seed pods. They are incredibly toxic, as are any green areas of a potato caused when the spuds are exposed to sunlight instead of being covered by soil. If a harvested potato is green, compost it. If only small portions are green, cut them off and eat the rest. Well, that sure was some important advice for those of us who got crazy green growth at the tops of our potato plants now, wasn't it? Luckily, you can read it over again at your leisure or your leisure, because the question of the week always appears at the Gardens Alive website. Just click the link for the question of the week at our website, which is still and will forever be youbetyourgarden.org. Gardens Alive supports the You Bet Your Garden question of the week, and you will always, always find the latest question of the week at the Gardens Alive website. Yikes, my producer is threatening to prematurely plunder my potatoes if I don't get out of this studio. We must be out of time. But you can call us anytime at 888-492-9444 or send us your email, your tired, your poor, your wretched refuse. Teaming towards our garden shore at YBYG at WLVT.org. Please include your location. You'll find all of this contact information, plus answers to literally hundreds, as many as half a thousand of your garden questions. Audio of this show, video of this show, audio and video of recent shows, and links to our internationally renowned podcast. It is all at our website, 
YouBetYourGarden.org. If it's not there, tell us and we'll fix it. You Bet Your Garden is a half-hour public television show, an hour-long public radio show and podcast, all produced and delivered to you weekly by Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. Our radio show is distributed by PRX, the public radio exchange. You Bet Your Garden was created by Mike McGrath. Mike McGrath was created when he was bitten by a radioactive lightning bug and ever since has been forced to endure taunts of pants on fire, pants on fire, all summer long. Ken Queter plays our theme song. Our chief content officer is Yoni Greenbaum. Our angel of the airwaves is Christine Dempsey. Our sound engineer is generally cheerful Charlie Sarah. But he's on vacation again. Charlie, I'm starting to take this personal. Our social media director is Amanda Northley. Check out her fine work and ponder lots of pretty pictures at the You Bet Your Garden Facebook page. Our peerless princess of profound production is Tavia Minnick. Our audio editor is the lovely Jonas Bowen. Our video editor is judicious Jake Boyer. Our harassed and harried director is Javier Diaz. Our usual gang of idiots generally includes Eric Werner, Zach the Tack, Carlin Canfield, the other Jake, and whoever else is hanging around today. Okay? Oh, and Jeff. Don't forget Jeff. The plague is over. Our fearless leader, CEO, and general hanger-on, Tim Fallon, is now late for real meetings instead of Zoom ones. I'm your host, Mike McGrath, and I'll be busy getting ready for that second season of gardening, enjoying those super sweet salad greens fresh from the garden, and praying for frost so the tomato plants can finally die. Until I see you again next week. Yeah, 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 yeah. Some experts feel that the numbers of migrating monarch butterflies couldn't be better. Others say the numbers couldn't be worse. I'm Mike McGrath, and on the next You Bet Your Garden, we might this time discuss why this wide divide and how you can help keep those magnificent butterflies hale and hearty. Uh -huh.